As we look ahead to Women's History Month in March, we're presenting the first of several guests to mark that occasion. Women who may be unheralded and not all that famous, but who are making significant contributions to society. Welcome to Lean to the Left, home of no holds barred commentary, plus interviews with fascinating people, some of them top experts, others simply with interesting stories to tell. You'll never know who will show up at Lean to the Left. Now here's your host, Bob Gaddy. Today's guest is Donna Wales, a teacher, author, speaker, and domestic violence survivor who has written a new book, I'll Pray For You, A Christian Woman's Guide to Surviving Domestic Violence. Donna teaches technology and pre-engineering at a Title I middle school. She coached an award-winning cybersecurity team until COVID lockdowns and immigration issues put the team on hold. She'll share with us why her ultra-conservative views have moderated a good deal because of her experiences in the education system. Welcome, Donna, to the Lean to the Left podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, Donna, uh, tell us about your book, and and where did the name come from, anyway? So it's called I'll Pray for You because my ex-husband was abusive and the more that I talked to counselors, the more I kind of peeled back some of the layers of things that I didn't notice because I had been so conditioned to believe all of the things that he was telling me. And um, it comes from the I went to my the head elder of my church and I needed a place to stay with my daughter who was about a year and a half old. And when I got there, I went there because he and his wife had hosted my baby shower. They had taken us shopping and all these things. And when I got there, he stood with his arm across the door and he didn't even let us in. And he said, well, you know, he's dangerous, meaning my ex-husband was dangerous. And I said, I know I have bruises. And I pointed to my bruises and he said, well, we can't help you anymore. He's dangerous. So, but we'll pray for you. Wow. And I didn't know what to do at that point. I had no place to go. I had a baby that was like almost a year and a half old. And the church was, those were my friends. Those were the people that I had counted on for the last few years. And here I was being told, you know, thoughts and prayers. Good luck. What um, de- what denomination was this church? Um, well, it was the Independent Baptist okay. churches. Okay. Okay. Um, so very extremely conservative. Understood. Yeah, I I grew up. My dad was a minister, and I grew up in a pretty conservative religious. Uh, environment myself so i have a sense of what you're talking about um but but the the church that you had been relying upon for support and that you probably had supported considerably during your time basically turned us back on you and said sorry there lady right well 
it was worse than that. I was actually ostracized um, because my abuser told everyone that I was having an affair and I had lost my mind. And so I was I was a pariah. I was just ostracized from the church. In fact, um, I had a minister, the minister call me and tell me that if I didn't go back to my abuser, that they would actually excommunicate me from the church. They would remove my name from the from the membership because I was living in sin. What did you do? And I cried because that had been, I was a Christian school teacher. I had been on, I lived in Hawaii and taught at Christian, you know, Christian schools there. Mm -hmm. You know, I had basically done everything that I knew I could do. And here were these people telling me that if I didn't take him back, I was going to, you know, they were kicking me out of the church. But that's all I had ever known right. was, you know, life in the church. I was brought up that way. Sure. And so um, I was just devastated. But I, um, when the military police, the NCIS officers um, arrested my now ex-husband, he told them that he would finish the job if he found me. And they were serious and I believed them. And so I had to take what the detectives were telling me and weigh that against my faith. And it was awful. It was just life altering and sh life shattering. What did you end up doing? I ended up telling the pastor in tears that um, my daughter needed one sane and living parent. And I was going to be that person that I could not take him back. It was too dangerous. And so they kicked you out of the church? I didn't stick around to find out. Now, that's okay. right about that time was when the judge in Washington State let me move to my parents had a, a little trailer outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And that's where the judge said, go ahead and go, because that's where my teaching certificate was. My brother lives there. And so um, that was going to be a safer place for us. And the judge in Washington State if I had stayed there, I would have my South Carolina teaching certificate did not transfer. So I would have had to go and go through college all over again to get any kind of job there. Wow. So the judge was didn't want yet another welfare you know person to go on the social services roles. So he said, sure. yeah, you can go. God. Yeah. And okay. I was quite happy with that. Right. So so. You you got away from your abusive husband by moving to South Carolina, and he was in uh, the state of Washington, right? He was, but he was Navy, and the Navy um, I see transferred him to California. But he found ways to um, to harass me online, to stalk me. I was required to have my year and a half, or you know, then two year old daughter video chat with him and of course he made snide remarks in the video chat that she didn't understand but i sure did sure you know so so there was a whole lot of manipulation there it was really it was really awful so he was physically violent with you yes but you know um one of the points that 
I learned in counseling and now, you know, and, and kind of doing research around my own book was that physical violence is not the only type of abuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we think of. And um, that's what I thought right up until I was right up until what I tell people is that was my you know, domestic abuse happens to other people. I was not a domestic violence victim. I am well-educated. I'm not a woman of color. I, you know, and all these stereotypes that go through sure. our minds, sure. you know, I'm, I'm well-educated. It doesn't happen to educated people. Yeah, it does. And I believed those stereotypes right up until the day that my face hit the glass of the storm door in my apartment. And, um, the my my views changed because i was forced to realize that there's mental and emotional types of abuse mm-hmm. verbal abuse even financial abuse where mm-hmm. where one partner or spouse keeps money away from the other one in order to keep them under control um sexual abuse and even spiritual abuse where people use their church or their or their um, their Bible or holy books teaching to keep the other one under power and control. And that was a big one for me, that that spiritual piece. He tried you know, God that says you? you have to, you know. Your husband. Oh, absolutely. Tried that? Oh wow. Wow. Yes. So he was a pretend uh, religious person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why then did you decide to come out and, and, and write this book? I mean, didn't you, didn't, you were afraid of your husband, right? Wouldn't he retaliate? Actually. Yeah. And you know, um, my daughter and I still live under that, under that threat. Um, In fact, I'm reminded that he has told several people, you know, with with the idea that it's going to get back to me, that on my daughter's 18th birthday, which is coming up this August, that he's going to come and take her and show her what a good parent he would have been all these years if I weren't so evil and kept her away from him. And so we, you know, we have a security system at our house and we make sure, sure. that we know where, you know, that she knows where I am. I know where she is all the time. Um, there is some PTSD involved, you know, honestly with all of this, Uh but I remember sitting in that little trailer outside of Charleston when she was a little over two years old thinking we can't live in hiding like this anymore. It's not fair to her to live under a rock. She needs to be able to go out and play and hang out with her friends and, and all of these things. And that was a, I remember making that as a conscious decision. We cannot stay in this house and, and be hermits. We have to be able to have a life. Yeah. So how, how long did this all last? I mean, the child was a couple years old when this began, right? He was ordered um, video visitation and supervised visitation. Um, and there is some evidence that um, that she was 
abused, you know, verbally, emotionally and stuff during those supervised visitations. Uh-huh. And so we are dealing with, you know, some of those kind of things too. The abuse that you suffered occurred, of course, prior to that time. So how long did that last? How long had you been married when this um, all began, Donna? You know, that's a really good, I love that question. And yeah. the next, and then, you know, to kind of follow that up with, um, what were the red flags that there were obviously red flags that I missed, but you know, right. the biggest we were, I was married to him for 12 years, Okay. but he was in the Navy. So he was gone. He was on a submarine. So he was gone for about half of each of those years. Right. So, okay. because the submarines go out for deployments and stuff. Um, right. But the biggest red flag was when we were dating and I went to lunch with an old friend from college who was just flying through. It was Hawaii. I was there as a single school teacher. We had just started dating and um, my friend was flying through and we had lunch. And um, he must have called me eight times during lunch crying and how could you do this to me and i basically said look i'm having lunch so you need to you need to stop this and then when i got back to the place that we had arranged that we would meet and then go out with another couple after the the girl's mom that we were meeting at their house she said to me i don't know what you did but he is just beside himself and you know the bible says that if somebody has something against you you need to ask them to forgive you and I said well I didn't really do anything and she said well you know you have to apologize because because that's the right thing to do you you upset him and so I apologized for upsetting him but I should have seen that as the controlling red flag that it was for sure. Right there, there's no reason that I was went out to lunch with a friend for an hour, and someone called me eight times. That's you know, I that was a huge red flag that I missed. Yeah. Okay. And then there were other things like toward the end, I wasn't allowed to answer my phone if he didn't know who was calling. I wasn't allowed to answer the door to our apartment. Um. I couldn't go anywhere that he didn't know where I was going, who I was with, and how long I was going to be gone. It was really awful. So this was all based on jealousy, was it? Yes, and that um, domestic violence is based on power and control. And so that other person wants that power over their victim so badly that they are willing to threaten and all of those other things to try to keep that power and control. Mm-hmm. And then when I left, because he lost that power and control, things just went absolutely just sideways. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about what, um, what do you tell women uh, when, when you discuss this? about what they should be looking out for and what their options are and how they should respond and all that sort of thing. We'll get the answer to that question when we return from this quick break. 
first, I didn't realize how bad things were in my own life because this was just how it was at my house. But my first point that I would say to someone else is if, it, if something feels off, go find a counselor. You know, go find someone that you trust. Um, there are a lot of different social service, um, social service kind of places. But um, the best one is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And it's the hotline.org, but they have a ton of resources on their website. So things that I didn't think about as being manipulative or abusive, all of those things are there. So I would send them to a community service agency and, you know, to talk to someone or go to the hotline or they even have people that you can call or text now, which I thought, which is great and not available when I was, when I was do, going through all of that. But right. if it feels off, it is. Trust mm-hmm. your instincts. Some sometimes we, you're not wrong, right? If you feel that this is this isn't right, it probably isn't. So it doesn't necessarily have to be manifesting itself in violence. Uh, it can be other things Not that at could all. lead up to could other things that could lead up to violence, right? Absolutely. Just yeah. that that mental no one's going to believe you. You're not worth anything. I don't even know why I married you and without me you're not going to you're not going to do anything or you're not yeah, going right. to be anything. You'll have yeah. nothing when you leave me. You know, and all these taunts. Yeah, all the taunts. But you don't really think about it until the 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 taunts of, you know, no one will believe you. You're not. You're worthless. Right. You're you're lucky I married you. No one else would have. Uh huh. Just those kinds of. Yeah. Words. So so um, you you made it through that. You've written this book. Uh, and you uh, are also an educator, right? I am. I love my, most days I love my job. Everybody has, you know, has a bad day. But um, the the sure. um, very conservative schools where I once taught will not hire me back because I'm mm-hmm. divorced and remarried. And that's, you know, not in their. Oh, how, how sinful of you how sinful of me. I mean, that's terribly sinful. It's terrible. Right. But you know what I tell them? <laughs> I'm and, divorced and, and remarried too. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> you know, and I read somewhere that over half of the population of the United States is too. So, you know, apparently yeah. there are a lot of people who are broken and put back together. So. Um, exactly right. But I love where I am because the kids that I teach now, I teach in a Title I school, which is the – Title I are the schools that are in the lowest socioeconomic areas. So I teach kids who don't speak English, and I teach kids who are happy to be in the United States and um, Mm – 
they're happy to be here and be safe from whatever was going on in their in the countries where they where they came from and um right it's just interesting one of the kids said to me earlier this year miss we didn't say the pledge of allegiance today we should say that every day that's oh. very important oh and i was like wow. sniffle they appreciate you know they appreciate our country and all the things that we sure you know so to me, that was yeah. – they're excited about learning English, and yeah, sure. it was interesting because at Thanksgiving, I asked them, what are you thankful for? And we made a word cloud, and a word cloud is basically – it's a kind of a collaboration app where sure. the kids the, – the, the words that they use the most become the biggest – Okay. And the biggest words were family, were family, my life, my house, and school. Wow. Food was up there. Mm -hmm. Things that were just not expected from 11 and 12-year-old children. Right, right. So you are, uh, you're what, teaching. What, 12 year, what 11 or 12-year-old yeah. Yes, yeah, but this is not in South Carolina, right? You're, you're. Where did you tell me you were? No, no, Rhode Island, where Rhode I live Island. now. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Um. So this is this is. Um, what are you teaching? What classes? I teach. We call it technology education. So in sixth grade, I teach like an introduction to different types of technology. Okay. So a little bit of Google, all the docs and spreadsheets and all those things. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about how to email people and write letters and all this kind of, you know, kind of an introduction, broad strokes. Okay. And then seventh grade is a pre-engineering class. So right now we're building mazes out of um, cardboard boxes and popsicle okay. sticks with wow, marbles. Okay. So it's a marble maze and they can, uh, okay. however they want. And then That's eighth cool. grade, we're programming Lego robots. Wow. So all kinds of cool stuff that gets wow. to go on in my room. Wow. So you, you're teaching sixth, seventh, and eighth. I right? am. Yeah. Those are some okay. tough years. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Well, now you indicated to me that your political views have become less conservative. And part of that had to do with uh, problems you encountered as an educator. So explain that. So um, the the very ultra conservative Republican side of me would say it's the parents' responsibility to feed their children breakfast and to make sure they have money for lunch and dinner and clean clothes. And this is not my responsibility as a teacher. Right. But let me just tell you that I keep granola bars and squeeze yogurt and bottles of water in the fridge in my classroom because I have children come up to me and go, Miss, my tummy hurts. Oh. I didn't eat anything from yesterday lunch. Oh. How do you not feed children? Oh. Right? How do we not feed children? Exactly. Yes, I understand that their parents should be feeding them. Right. But when they're in my class going, my tummy hurts, I'm going to feed them. Right. How do you not? Right. 
that's like a human decency kind of thing to do. Well, how does that translate so into into my, broader political views? This year, because of COVID, we just feed all the children breakfast and lunch. Okay. And and even we have a backpack program where kids who are we call it food insecurity at this okay. point to okay. be politically correct. So children with food insecurity can take a backpack home with them for the weekend. And we just got off a of February break. So we had children take a black backpack home with them with peanut butter and jelly and a loaf of bread and some cartons of milk and cereal so that they had things to eat this last week. Who provided the backpack for the kids? The school. The, the school provided the school it. Did. The school did. Yeah. The school did. I used to think that that was a, you know, that's not the school's place. And it probably isn't. But we don't let children starve. Well, I mean, that kind of comes down to the the role of the government, too. I mean... It absolutely does. It, you know, I mean, we have... We have all the uh, negative views about, uh, you know, welfare, mothers, and all of this sort of thing. Uh, Absolutely. And 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 a desire by some uh, on the right to, I think, just ignore problems that are occurring and say that's not my job that's not the job of the government that's up as you said that's up to the parents and if the parents can't do it tough absolutely down here in south carolina they've refused to expand medicaid under the uh, uh, affordable care act because it was obama's program and 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 the politicians here hated obama and they still won't do it and the result is that thousands of people are without medical care. And those are the people who can least afford uh, to pay for it themselves. And it, to me, it's just cruel. It's just cruel. And I don't know how that can be a liberal or conservative viewpoint. To me, it's just cruel. I mean, if you can't feed people who need it, and if you can't provide health care for people who need it, I mean, that's, that's, that's just awful to me. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely do, and I don't know how to – the system is broken Yeah. because, you know, I, I see people who can't afford to feed their children, but they – they have the newest iPhone, whatever, and the most expensive shoes and all this other kind of stuff. Uh -huh. So, you know, that bothers me. When, well, of course it does. And it's YouTube, not yeah. sure it does. And, and those things trouble me, too. But the bottom line is the kids are suffering. And that's where and that's where I come in with. There are bottles of water in the fridge. There is yogurt. Yeah. There's granola bars. There's, and you know, we even have a, 
a and I don't think it's a government agency. It's a charity, but they come in and they do um, vision checks on the kids and they come in and they do dental checks on on the, the kids whose parents will sign that they don't have insurance or they can't afford it. And so these kids get dental care and they get um, they get dental care and they get vision checks because mm-hmm. they need it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that you wanted to talk about immigration to a little bit? What did you want to talk about? You mentioned that. And- so, so along with my school, so part of my school teaching is um, the sixth grade kids wanted to know about cybersecurity. How do okay. we, you know, how do we stay safe on the internet? And so um, there is a national cyber, a national youth cyber defense competition called Cyber Patriot. And so I put together a bunch of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and we competed. And my kids okay. won the state of Rhode Island two years in a row. Wow. And they were so proud of themselves. But I bet you were too. It's this huh? national international <laughs> competition sponsored by the government. You know, it was it was great. But yeah. I had two boys who were from India okay. and phenomenal families. Their dads were here legally, green cards, their families mm. were paying taxes and mm. they had apartments that they had rented and doing everything right. Right. And both of those boys' fathers' green cards did not get renewed, and they had to leave the country. Wow. And they had to leave, like, in the middle of the school year because their their parents were – their green card ran out. And they were hoping that mm-hmm. Canada would take them. But if Canada didn't take them, then they had to go back to India to start the process all over again to come to the United States. Wow. And you know, these are kids you know who are like straight A students and you know this these these boys are brilliant with computer skills in sixth grade they're uh-huh. doing these you know securing these networks and award winning kinds of things and right. their parents are being threatened with deportation. When, when did this happen? When did this happen? Oh, it was about Right. Well, right before COVID, I think. So 2018, 19. During Trump or after Trump? I want to say it was during Trump. But. Yeah. I'm thinking that maybe it was um, the Trump immigration policies that may have been coming into play there. But that one, so that one just broke my heart. Like, and this one little boy, when he hugged me sure. and said goodbye, he said, you know, miss, I was just starting uh-huh. to make friends and now I have to go back to India. Oh, that's really a shame. So what did you, I, I, I you know, it kind of brings up the idea of the dreamers. What did you think about all of that and, and the Trump effort to send them all home? There's so many so home, many... not that home. This is home for them. I, absolutely. I'm sorry. Um, well, and and again, back to the kids that I teach. 
these kids don't yeah. know anything different from, you know, they they might sure. have been born somewhere else, but this is where they live. They don't know anything different from their yeah. from their home country. They were little when sure. they when they left, you know. So right. the the system again, the system is broken. Um, before I got this job, I was working in a literacy center with adults learning English, and some of their goals were just to learn enough mm. English to talk to their their child's teacher at the school. And this one lady, it took her almost 10 years to get here from China. She came here legally, and she overstayed her visa by a week because her father was in the hospital. And she cannot come back to the U.S. now for 10 years. She might be able to get back here for her son's graduation. Wow. They're they're really... (laughs) All this, this is just horrible. I hate, I hate hearing these stories. So Donna, what, um, what, what message do you have for, uh, uh, for women going back to the, uh, to the issue of domestic abuse? What message do you have for women uh, today? Women who may be in such a situation, what message do you have? It's a tough place to be. It really is. But my message is that there is hope to get out. And I have been out of that relationship now for almost 15 years. Wow. And I can tell you that life is so much better on this side. Right. Um, I am stronger. My daughter is graduating high school this year and Mm -hmm. she's going off to college and Mm -hmm. there's so much hope but it's a tough road to get out and it's and it's a tough place to be but life is so much better on the other side if you can you know if you can get out and stay out with help from Domestic violence counselors and advocates and community organizations are key there. But if you can get the help that you need to get out and stay out, life is so much better on the other side. Now, does your book provide some guidance for folks or is it essentially a memoir? It is mostly a memoir. The only guidance that it gives is the idea that these are the red flags that I missed. And these are things that I should have, that I should, you know, that, that other people may want to consider in their relationships is the idea. Right. Right. Okay. So where can people get your book? So my book is available at, at Amazon, but um, Barnes and Noble, walmart.com and a lot of the bigger retailers. Uh, was it published by Amazon or who published your book? Um, it's published by Keras Publishing. It's a little independent, okay. um, traditional publisher. Okay. So. Good. All right. Um, and if people want to reach out to you, how can they do that? So my website is authordwales.org. And my email is just Donna at authordwales.org. So either one of those. I'm on Facebook as Donna Wales. 
and Instagram. I draw the line at TikTok, TikTok though. I can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> just, I, just can't I haven't figured that one out that either. One. But um, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. But You know, that's TikTok, funny. You're a tech person too. You know, I guess I teach the TikTok generation in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. I just can't do it. Yeah, you do, huh? <laughs> I do. Oh, so, man. so that one I'm not really, that's not my I... favorite. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to add? We covered everything you wanted to cover. Absolutely. Just, you know, I guess the bottom line with domestic violence and you know, parental responsibility and government responsibility and that kind of stuff. The bottom line is just to care about your neighbor, you know, care about the people that are around you. And that would, you know, check on, check on your neighbors, see if they're okay, because domestic abuse is, happens in the shadows and, you know, children who are hungry are not going to walk to your door and knock on it and say, hey, I'm hungry. Do you have food? Um, you know, and just be kind and make your part of the world a better place. Donna, thank you. That was a wonderful way to close this up. And I appreciate you joining us on the Lean to the Left podcast. I really do. Thanks so much for having me. Now we're going to take another quick break here, but I'll be right back with some closing remarks. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll come back on a regular basis and check out our interviews with guests on topics that I hope you find interesting, entertaining, and enlightening. Our interview shows stream weekly on Mondays and depending on what's going on, also on Thursdays. In addition, we provide narrations of much of the commentary we publish most every day on the Lean to the Left blog. Commentary by some excellent writers with perspectives on a whole range of topics. You can sign up as a member at leantotheleft.net. And of course, it's all free. Also, let your friends know about this podcast and take a minute to subscribe yourself. Just go to podcast.notfakenews.biz to subscribe, check out the upcoming interview schedule, and listen to all of our episodes. You can also support this podcast by clicking on the Donate tab at the top of the page, where you'll find links to buy me a cup of coffee and also PayPal. Remember, our goal is to be informative and entertaining as we comment on the latest developments in the news. You guessed it, with just a little lean to the left. Now this is Bob Gaddy signing off for Lean to the Left. Thanks for